This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, we're back with another great episode of Lee Meeting of the Minds. Tonight with the great Lee Kemp, world champion, superstar person. We're excited to have him on. And we're excited to have you on. So welcome to Meeting of the Minds. I feel like I want to say, and this is my master class. Now, we do have something like that on Rockfin. And we actually now have a do-it-yourself uh, coaches program that's actually going to be up there. So that's a pretty cool thing. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Awesome meeting of the minds tonight we got going. All right. Good to see everyone. Thank you for joining us every night, Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Just actually worked with the team. We had a lot of great work we put in tonight. We spoke about, it was a virtual uh, mindset session. There was about, there had to be about 50 people on the team there. We spoke about the pre-competition routine. We spoke about an accountability buddy. And we spoke about the importance of examining yourself on a regular basis. Sports, school, and life. We have a very, those of you who do our mindset program know we have a very rigorous examination of conscience in sports, in school, and in life. And it's tough. And the idea is to challenge you so you realize there's always ways you can improve. There's always ways, there's always ways, (laughs) there's always ways you could get better. So that's why we do make it hard. We do make our examination of conscience tough, right? The way you got to look at it is if you ask easy questions, you're going to get basically simple answers. So in the beginning of doing this, we might have we might have asked athletes, are you motivated? Are you confident? Right? And what do you think they're going to say? Of course, they're going to say yes. So now we changed up those questions. So now it's more, 
are you the most confident at wrestler that you know? Now, of course, that's very difficult. Even if you're at the highest level, you've seen even more, you've seen even more confident people. So the quality of answers you're going to get is directly related to the quality of questions that you put in, right? What's two and two? Four. What's three and three? Six. What's 890 and 512? <laughs> you got to think about it a little bit. That's why we got to ask tougher questions in our conscience examination. All right. I see you're here, Lee. Let's bring in. Connecting, and we're in. Lee Kemp, world champion, superstar person all around. Welcome to Meeting of the Minds. <laughs> oh, happy to be here. Happy How you doing? Here. Learning to deal with this technology, you know, so it's pretty cool, though. Yeah, yeah. I just got the hang of this about a month ago. Before that, before this whole quarantine, I didn't know how to use this. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I got to say, Lee, your, your, um, your biography... And I wrestled away. That was the first thing that I watched. That was the first full biography I watched with my one-year-old son. So wow. It's the first thing that he's seen in its entirety. And it was awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes. And, um, and our wrestling coach, longtime wrestling coach, Don Ernst, because we're Jersey guys uh, like he is, he said, you got to get Lee Kemp's book. I mean, right away, he, he brought it up. So I want to make sure we um, – I wanted to bring it up in the beginning of the conversation and at the end of the conversation because we have a lot of people that tune in. I want to make sure they all get both of them. What Now that you want them to go – we want to get them to your website. That's the key. Yes. 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 So Just to LeeKemp.com. You can learn about the movie. You can learn about the book and, and other things that I have going on there. There it is. Could it be easier? LeeKemp.com. So make sure everyone goes there. You know – that's something Don always told me from a young age. He said, if you want to be the best, you have to learn from the best. So we were watching video footage of you back in the 70s, I think in 78, 79. He had, all, he had all the videos, and so it was awesome. Yeah, most of my videos that I have of my career, um, Don um, gave me some of those early videos. That was way before the video revolution. Right. People like Don, man, he was there with the big thing, you know, with the, taking the video and uh, having to, you know, having to get it. Uh, it wasn't instantaneous like it is now. I mean, you'd have right. to get that stuff developed and it was. But yeah, Don Ernst has uh, a lot of the early, early video of the Petersons, Gable, uh, Rick Sanders, all that. Wayne Wells, he's got all, all that. He was, he was the flow wrestling before flow wrestling. <laughs> yes, he was. He was. And like he did it just because he loved it. Yeah. Because he, he loved it. I don't, I don't think and believe he got any money out for doing it. No, he that. invested his own money, bought all that equipment on his own. And he broke down all those matches, like all your matches. He had written down all the moves that you did and everything. And he's like, now take a look. This is what's happening here. And, and I mean, just loads of stuff. So, so let's, let's talk about you. What's, what's been going on? How have you been doing? <laughs> Things are good. You know, this is a difficult time. But I try to keep it in perspective because there are generations way ahead of us that have gone through far worse. And it's hard to even imagine what people were going through during, like, let's just say the World Wars, you know, uh, some of the other, um, like the polio uh, outbreak that occurred and like all the other pandemics that have occurred before us. And... Um, you know, we talk about climate change, you know, there's all types of climate things that happened even in the past. But one thing about the human race, we're, you know, we're resilient, we're versatile, 
and we've all come through it. So, you know, we're all panicking, thinking the world's coming to an end. Guess what? It, it isn't. We just have to, we just have to realize that change is, is just a part of living. It's just a part of life. That's so important, seeing that perspective, because when we're in it, we feel like it's just us. We're the only ones going through it. But no, there's study your history. Just like in wrestling, you study the history of the legends that have come before you. We'll study the history of the world. People have gone through difficult times. Society has struggled. And far, far worse than this, <laughs> obviously. Far, far worse than this. Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, this pandemic, I, I'm not trying to minimize it right. because I've known people, I know people that have passed away. So I'm sure mm -hmm. the audience has too. So I'm not trying to minimize this at all. Right. But from what I'm hearing, and it depends on the numbers, how much you can believe the numbers that you're hearing. But, I mean, you know, there's people that die of this same percentage rate of the flu every year as you know right now maybe this is more but but still people have been dying and we're really reacting to this one uh quite differently than other um other things that people die from so th this is this is sort of unusual uh this is a first for me in my lifetime to have everything shut down yeah i and i owned a car dealership at it you know when i was um back in the uh, uh back in the 90s i've had to think about that back in the 90s through uh through uh, like 2005. And I can't imagine to go two months with no customers. I mean, you're going to go out of business. There's just no way you're going to be able to stay in business. So um, I'm sure the, the people that are in the middle of their careers, I'm at the end. I mean, I'm retired now. I hate that word sounds weird to me, but I'm 63. I'm, I mean, I'm not 20 years younger in the middle of what I'm trying to do to build my career, to build my family. I'm sure the stress is very high. Uh, for people out there, and I, I'm, I'm, my sympathies or are, are my thoughts are with people who are trying to deal with this, and even the young people that are in college. I couldn't imagine having my college career like <laughs> a week before the national tournament. You know, you go through the Big Ten or whatever, you know, so you're ready to go, and nothing. That's, That's and then you're not, and you're not going to get it back. At least I thought they were going to give these athletes a chance to make it up, but. Uh, the wrestlers, it doesn't appear like they are. So that, that's, that's tough. Yeah, yeah. And what do you say to the athletes that are still competing? What should their mindset be? What should they be doing maybe physically, nutritionally, mentally? Where, where would, what would you recommend they think? Well, you know, all I can do is put myself in that situation and, and try to, um, you know, try to, I mean, for, for me to give a real honest assessment, I'd have to, because I have the, 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 the history of the uh, Olympic boycott, so I, I, I have actually gone through it, something, you know, very similar. And so now I can kind of give advice from the standpoint of going through it and now being 63 and having gone through it, and it's been 40 years ago now. So I'll start at the end by saying, you know, my advice to people is that, you know, even though wrestling or whatever's happening in your life right now is very important, but life evolves in the moment, moment by moment. And when we live in the past or in the future, we're not really living. We're missing life. So now at 63, I look back and I'm just proud to be still standing here, you know, at age 63. Yeah, the wrestling was important, very important, but obviously it takes on a different meaning now. So my advice to, to people going through this, yeah, you, you miss some things, just like I miss some things, just like other people have missed some things. Think of the people that have gotten an injury, 
at the wrong time. I mean, they had just whatever. I've talked to people that, that maybe had to go home and uh, some wrestlers that I knew that I thought were really good, but they were in college and they had to drop out and go home and take care of their one right. of their parents that were very sick. So that was a personal decision they made and they had to give up on their dream to do something they thought was far more important uh, to take care of maybe their mom or dad. In this case, it was, it was, uh, it was this guy's dad. So yeah. what I'm saying is circumstances come up all the time. There's always circumstances. And when they occur, you just have to figure out how to deal with it the best you can. And uh, in, in, in 1980, you know, we really didn't have a choice. We dealt with it. Uh, I made a decision to compete through 1984. I didn't make the Olympic team. I got beat by David Schultz, as everybody knows. So, but I'm, I'm happy that I did try. I know that I contemplated not trying. I, I thought, man, I can't. I really don't want to do this. But I thought, you know, someday I'm going to regret what if, you know, what, you know, what if I would have tried out, made the team, won a gold medal? Yeah. So I went through it. And so I know the answer. I know the answer. I tried and I didn't make it. So I, my advice is you just do the best you can within the circumstance that's been put in front of you. And you really do. You do the best you can. You try as hard as you can. You make the best decisions you can at that moment. And then, you know, as life evolves, you have to look back and say, I did the best I could in that moment. And then I say to people, you know, I'm 63. I hope when you're 63, you're still standing and, you're, and you feel good about your life. That, that's about all you can really say. Yeah. And looking as good as you in great shape. We're always seeing the pictures working out. It's awesome. Yeah. You, you know, that, that, that's all part of who I think I am, you know. And uh, I've heard, I've heard uh, uh, you know, coaches, or not really coaches like in an athletic sense, but, but like, um, like um, motivational uh, speakers and things like that, where they, they try to separate the person from, from what their goals and endeavors and what they do are. And, and, you know, and like, for instance, if they say, you know, Lee, you know, who are you? And then I say, well, okay, I'm a wrestler when I was competing. And now I'm saying I'm a businessman. No, no, separate that from who you really are. And you, you're just puzzled. Like, what am I supposed to say? And you start going back to what you do or what your goals are. And I, I don't, don't, I just don't think that's realistic. I think we are, a sum total of what we try to do with our lives. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, for a long time, I ran away from wrestling. When I didn't make the Olympic team in 1984, I was, I, I was bitter. I was unhappy. I, uh, I, I, I just felt like I failed, sort of. Even though I had all this success in wrestling, I didn't make the Olympic team. I just felt like I failed. So I just ran away from wrestling. I didn't really tell people that didn't know anything about wrestling that I was even a wrestler when I would meet them. And when they found out later all the success I had, they were almost offended. Like, why didn't you tell me that you had done all this stuff in wrestling? It was because I was in denial. I just wanted to – it's almost like that part of my life didn't exist anymore, unfortunately. I, I went into business, and I just, I just kind of stayed away from wrestling. But uh, as it turns out, as you saw in my documentary, wrestling saved my life in a way. I kind of made a full circle back to it, and I realized – hey, it's nothing wrong with uh, being associated with something for, the, for your entire life. And it, it doesn't mean you have to have medals to show for your time. It's how you value your time in it, you know, because we're all blessed with 
certain talents, you know, God-given abilities and different things. And uh, what's important is the effort you put into it. And uh, some of the greatest motivation I had was people on, on, the, on the University of Wisconsin wrestling team that had far less success than me, but they worked, I thought, just as hard or harder. And they, they, they gave it their, their 100% effort. And you know what? Their lives are a success today. I mean, I know two that are doctors. Uh, they don't have the medals for, for the time they put in on the mat. But I saw them grinding away just like me, you know. And so they're proud of their effort that they put in. Yeah. And that's really what it's about because, you know, if, if you feel like you've got to stand on the number one spot on, on a podium in wrestling or you're going to go jump off a bridge, just go jump off the bridge now because that's, that's the wrong odds to put yourself into with that type of pressure because there's only one person that could stand there. Right. You know, if you're talking about a state tournament, there's only one in the whole state in your weight class. So, yeah, you, you try as hard as you can. You put pressure on yourself. But, but, you know, let's be realistic. The odds are not great for that. And then you want to be an Olympic champion or world champion. I just feel blessed to have had that, that, that just, first of all, the, the attributes that, that I had that, that, that enabled me to get that far. And I had coaching and I did the hard work and all the other stuff. And uh, maybe I was blessed with some, you know, some abilities to be uh, able to focus, things like that. But, uh, you know, I tell you what, if all the one-point matches that I won, if I lost those, I wouldn't be here on your show right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it's like you said, I, I love what you say there about it's the effort that you're putting in. And, you know, the whole time you're building virtue. And, it, and we always say this, that if you use wrestling as a vehicle to build virtue, always putting out your best effort, learning from your mistakes, you'll be successful in anything you do in life, whether yes. it's business, school, relationships, family, yes. because you've, you've, op you've taught yourself, you've trained yourself to operate at a high level across the board. So it's never wasted, even if it might have got pulled from you in, in 1980 or the, the athletes this year where it got pulled from them, they shouldn't regret all that hard work they put in because it's taught them to live a virtuous life. And now you just apply that to everything else you do. You never go wrong. Exactly. I'll just add one thing yeah. too. Um, getting a medal or an, uh, an accolade or, you know, a million Twitter followers or whatever, those are like rewards, just like money is a reward for business. Uh, early in my business career, I know, I've known people that have gone on and sold companies for in the billions of dollars. They're very successful from a business standpoint. And I remember early on, like in the 70s, I remember people who were in business, young, young entrepreneurs, baby boomers, their, uh, their idea of success was the money, and the money was a way of keeping score. You've probably heard that analogy. Sure. It's almost like, you know, I got, if you thought, think about it in an athletic analogy, I got these many gold medals or these many, and then in the business format, oh, I've got, you know, I, you know, I made my first million when I was, whatever, 25 or 30. I think our society is too focused on that, and it's not focused on the effort because, because like even like sometimes in, in business, you know, you can get there by not being such a good person. And in sports, you can get there by maybe taking drugs, cheating a little bit, you know, whatever. So, so the focus could be on just the result of getting this thing, you know, this medal or getting money. And it, it just misses the whole point of our effort of, of good, solid integrity of hard work for, you know, uh, an honest reward. And, and my dad talked about that when I was a kid. He said, one day he said to me, um, 
he said, uh, son, do you, you know, you know, do you know I play the, back then they called like when people would, would, would uh, get a bookie and, and, and play numbers for betting and stuff. And my dad said, yeah, you know, I play the numbers every week. And I'm like, whoa, dad, really? He said, yeah, it's, uh, my numbers are uh, eight hours a day, uh, seven days a week. And it hits every Friday, meaning I get paid every Friday. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just how, what his mindset was. I'm going to work eight hours a day, seven days a week, and, and I'm going to get paid every, 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 every Friday. And that's, that's my uh, equation and, re and relationship for life success. It's not a get-rich-quick thing. It's not taking a shortcut, as in taking drugs or steroids or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, and, you know, we talk about the Soviets, and we were chasing the Russians a lot, and we still are. But the Russians would cheat, you know, and, and like we knew they were cheating. And um, they, would, they, they would cheat actually in the tournament by, 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 by the officials, just, just almost like the soccer scandals that, yeah. that, that were more public than wrestling. I mean, winning at all costs is not the right idea. Uh, that's, not the, that's not the motive. And, and when you look at someone like me or John Smith or Jordan Burroughs, people in Monday, you can go on and on and on. The people that win a lot of medals, um, you know, and, and even someone like Spencer Lee, I think he is so even-minded about it. You know, he works hard for it, but I think he understands that this isn't this isn't the most important thing in life, really. Right. Uh, so, so we have to understand that. We absolutely have to understand that. Absolutely, because just it just bleeds over to other areas of your life. It's eventually. You know, you're a parent, and then I know your kids are looking at you. It's how other people are looking at you. Not, not looking at you in a way where they're determining how you live, but you want to leave a good impression. You want people to learn good things from you. Um, not just all about, like, the legacy and the pumping the chest and everything, but it's, it's just integrity. And the whole thing is if we get into that attitude where I'll cheat in sports, then you know what? What's the big deal if I cheat in my business? What's the big deal oh. if I cheat in my relationships? And it yeah, carries exactly. over. It that's that you're either moving towards virtue or vice, and you can't. I love people, that. Yeah. People think they you're, can compartmentalize it. You don't compartmentalize it. There's very few neutral actions. You're either moving in one direction or you're moving in another direction. Exactly, and it does carry over. And that's one of the reasons why uh, athletes tend to do well in a competitive setting outside of their sport, like in business or whatever, because they do have that mindset. But you're right. It's got to be nurtured in an environment of integrity otherwise yeah. it, it just kind of goes off the rails as, yeah you know so uh, plus if you had to cheat to beat the person you really didn't beat them because the idea of beating them is within a structure of rules you could beat me i could beat you it's not if i if one person goes outside you really didn't beat the person and my mom was real big on that always it's just if you, you didn't actually beat the person if you cheated <laughs> kind of common <laughs> sense <laughs> i i wanted to know how you know, I, I embraced uh, challenges like that. Yeah. And like, like even in my business career, you know, I mean, I, I felt like I had some of that mentality in business where, you know, you could kind of see the path that was going to be hard, yeah. <laughs> but that was the path that, that, that needed to be taken. So uh, I was prepared to take those paths, you know, rather that's than the gonna, easy. That's what I was going to ask you. So, like, what shaped your mindset in wrestling and that helped lead to some of your, to your success? And then also... How did you take some of those lessons and then apply it to your career? You know, I, I think the big thing I learned from wrestling is that there's a process, not just to success, but to, to life itself. Um, 
even the simplest things that we have in our mind as the process, it could be, you know, you've got a, a meeting at nine o'clock, so you're going to get up at six and do all those things, da 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 and then have your meeting. How, how many times does that ever go exactly the way you've planned? Almost never. I mean, right down to whatever, something happening. You might have a whatever. Whatever it is, <laughs> you, you, it just gets, you know, you get sidetracked. So, but once you learn to accept everything as part of the process for success, then you're able to apply it to anything. Right. Because um, in, in, in wrestling, I've, I've had a lot of success, and John Smith has, and, and even Jordan. But when I talk to them about their success, they'll relay a story to me that is like unbelievable. I'm like, did you actually go through that? I'm like, I'm like amazed. Like, how, how did you stay focused going through that? And, but it's just how people think when they want to be a champion. It, that's part of the process too. We all like to think only the good stuff is part of the process. And any good athlete understands hard work. And, and most good athletes enjoy the hard work. They enjoy the, the hard run or the hard lift or the hard practice and all that kind of stuff. Hey, what happens if you get hurt and now you got to rehab and now you can't wrestle the way that you really wanted to? I mean, you could think of a hundred different reasons, the things that go wrong, you know. Uh, I can remember um, in the World Championships coming to the arena and then they, for some reason, redrew my weight class. Yeah. And so I wasn't going to wrestle at this time I thought I was. And I know, and I'm, now I'm wrestling somebody different. And I had planned to wrestle this one guy. I, I know people that couldn't deal right. with that. Man. Right. I mean, oh, no. Now I'm wrestling this guy. Now I'm bracketed over here. And now I, you know, I'm like, forget about all that, man. It doesn't really matter. So to me, that's all part of the process. You just accept it as part of the process. And then once you can accept it, then you can, then you can truly deal with it if you can accept it. Yeah. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And it, and it relates back really to what you were saying before that when you're maybe the training structure doesn't always go according to plan, right? Maybe a lot of kids there, maybe some kids are in a situation where they have coaches or parents that are setting every little thing up. So everything is just right for you. And now you don't learn how to deal with what happens when a wrench gets thrown. Mm -hmm. and, and that sometimes derails the kid who has all the ability in the, in the world, but they're used to having everything lined up. And what you've done is you've, you, you learned how to deal with that adversity or guys like, you know, Jordan or, or Smith or those guys. And, you develop that virtue, you develop that skill of being able to deal with the unknown, the uncertain. It, it's, it's, um, I gave this example not too long ago, well, actually just, just a few days ago. Uh, and it was only the first time I'd ever revealed it, so I might as well reveal it on your show. Um, yeah. um, my uh, senior year in college, you know, when I uh, finished my, senior, my, my last year, uh, I, I didn't wrestle in the world team trials, but uh, my coach kind of encouraged me to try to make the world team that year, 1978, that summer. And um, so by, by doing it that way, you'd have to work your way up from the bottom of the ladder, which was a grueling process. So my very, uh, my second match, I was wrestling Dave Schultz. And Dave, for some reason, didn't enter the tournament either. And uh, Dave was a real, uh, one of our best freestylers. In fact, he did it in the tournament, but he's such a free spirit. He entered at 180 you know, or something, and he got beat by John Peterson. So anyway, he was serious. He was at the right weight. And, you know, you, you got to win all your matches in order to get up the ladder. So uh, Dave was definitely the guy who everybody thought was probably going to win. Chuck Yeagle was sitting at the top of the ladder. I was at the bottom, and Schultz had entered in at the bottom too. So anyway, I beat him 3-3 three three on a criteria. So I'm thinking, oh, the I won, so now I'm going to the next round. Well, Gable comes up to me right after the match and says, Lee, you're going to have to wrestle him again. And I never 
I mean, that, that was not, there was no precedent for that. I, I didn't know what that meant. And, and I had to wrestle him in less than an hour. So I either had to accept it and mentally get myself prepared to, to beat Dave, or I could have been like <laughs> mentally screwed up and got beat and then blaming Gable for the rest of my career about him screwing me over. So, yeah. you know, there's two sides to everything. And, and of course it worked out in my favor, but I think what it, what it really did is it, it, it made me really understand uh, that I could overcome something that just didn't work out right. And, and my, my point of view, my thought then was, well, this is my first world team. You know, I, I respect Dan Gable, it's his team. <laughs> and I remember stories of him making some of their varsity guys wrestle off right before the Big Ten because they may, they may not have been wrestling well, or maybe they, whatever. So, and he made him wrestle off. <laughs> yeah. so, so he made him like prove that you really want to be on this team and wrestle in the Big Ten. So I knew all that. So I just thought, well, maybe he's just trying to find out who's better because that wasn't a very decisive win, you know. Plus, he wasn't and, happy uh, that you whipped up on him before. So, you know, they had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to get Lee now. Okay, put him on. <laughs> but, but you, know, you know, it worked out for me because it – and a great coach can do that. A great coach can challenge an athlete to reach way deeper than they thought they ever could, and that's it. It takes a, it takes a genius of a coach, and Dan is definitely that guy. Think of how many people you've talked to that give Gable so much credit for everything that they've learned to do. And so, uh, I beat Dave nine to two that next match yeah. to make it convincing. <laughs> nice. But 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 you know, but that that year was the year that I won the worlds at yeah. twenty one, becoming the youngest American to win the world. So. Had my coach not talked me into going, which I had no intentions of going, and uh, I'd won my third national title. It was going into the summertime. I wanted to have fun, whatever, you know, you do in college. And now uh, back in wrestling, you know. So, so first I do that, and then I get there, and then I got to decide, okay, am I going to forge my way through this thing? And it just, it just worked out for me. And then uh, from that point on, uh, I took a lesson from that, that that I use even to this day about the process. Yeah, that's that's huge. There's a lot to learn from from that whole story. First of all, it's funny because as as we're speaking, I have so I have you on my phone on my computer screen. I was watching the Dan Gable snowed in on Flow Wrestling, so I'm actually looking at Gable while we talk about this. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> but, but um, yeah, like. The good thing about that experience that you had to wrestle that match again, now you now you wind up beating Dave Schultz by considerable margin. So confidence. So think about that. You, you wouldn't have had that. I mean, that, that just that was a positive experience. Almost anyone would look at that and say, "There's nothing more to prove. There's nothing I could get out of this match." No, there is something you get out of that match, and just being tested by such a quality opponent that helps you perform at a higher level in the World Championships. So there were yeah. po there were positives from that. Yes, and and it, it's trusting your coach or trusting your mentor or trusting someone that's put in your life an authority over you that they are um, they are entrusted in your development. And you know we hope they have integrity, you know, but um, you have to you know you just have to believe in what they are telling you to do, whether it's a work setting, a coach setting. I can't, I can't say how many times coaches come to me and they're, they're frustrated because their athlete, they're just, you know, they, they're having a hard time coaching their athlete. And uh, we, we have too many uh, individuals today, you know, too many people that, are, that have gotten success, they feel like on their own and they don't, they, they don't need a coach really. They just don't want anyone telling them what to do. 
I, I just don't agree with that. And the problem is, is we let those people go and they do have success. So it becomes a point where, you know, now, now what do you say to this person? And you can't really control them. And it's not about control. It's about uh, offering some information, some advice, something that could help. I can remember uh, coaches telling me things that change, that, that enable me to beat a, an, an, opponent, an opponent next round. You know, yeah. coming up to be Stan Lee, you know, the way you hit your single, I'm thinking, well, I do my single better than anyone in the world. You can't tell me anything about my single leg. But I'm, I'm thinking that, but then they're, they're showing me some stuff, and I'm listening, and then I say, okay. And then as it turns out, man, I'm using it. I've heard Dave Schultz say that once. You know, yeah. like we were at a clinic, and there was this, this junior high kid wanted to show Dave something, and Dave was real open about it. Okay, show me, you know. Yeah. The kid was going through his thing, you know, as a junior high kid was. And Dave walked away from it. I says, you know, Lee, that kid had a point there. You know, I, I, I really think there's some, some, something there that maybe I can use. So yeah. I, I never forgot that. Yeah. Everybody has something to offer. You know, you can't treat people like they don't have anything to offer because they do. They're, you know, there's, that doesn't hurt you to just listen and give mm -hmm. someone some respect and let them, especially if they're already in a position uh, to be uh, in authority over you in some way, yeah. whether it's a coach, a teacher, a professor, a boss, whatever, um, you know, parent. You know, we, we all have kids and uh, we go to that meeting of the minds. Most fathers have that meeting of the minds with their sons where they have to kind of, you know. I'll get there not. someday. I didn't get there yet. He's only, he's only one. I got another one on the way, but I'll get there. <laughs> it, it, it will happen. If my son was here, he's coming, by the way, um, today to come mm -hmm. home. But nice. I mean, there were some times where I'd kind of stand up to him and say, look, okay, you're not doing that. And he's thinking, yes, I am. I'm thinking, oh, okay, no, you're not. I mean, you know, you've yeah. heard those stories. Maybe your parents, your dad sure. did it to you, for you. Uh, there's just, you know, we lose that respect. But I think if you don't start when the, when the child is young, they're never going to be able to, to just snap and, and respect you when, you when they're 18 and they're trying to doing something that you don't want. So uh, for my documentary, you know, when my kids came back in my life, that, that my son was 10. So I had a chance to, to be his dad. And, uh, you know, and, I, and, he'll, he'll, and my daughter, she was 16, uh, they both have allowed me to parent them. And, to, and as a parent, you say things sometimes that aren't necessarily things that they want to hear. Sure. And you're telling them to do things that they don't want to do right away. But as a parent, you're telling them to, to do this. And, uh, and I've, I've been blessed that my kids have, have, I don't know whether they were appeasing me or not, but they, but they did. And I, I was really, I think, and they've come back to thank me. That's to say, Dad, I really appreciate you, uh, what, what you did for us when we were in, you know, in high school and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, but at the moment, you don't know if you're doing the right thing or not. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying that to say that maybe Gable didn't know he was doing the right thing. Right. I mean, he had, he had no idea how I was going to react to that. Right. I mean, I was a three-time national champion. I mean, I was, yeah. you know, I had my chest stuck out. And, and you know, I could have I gotten an attitude about it and, and really been not real pleasant. And, yeah. of course, that, that attitude would not have been the right attitude to have to go try to beat a guy like Dave Schultz. But, um, but – Gable's a strong coach. He's a strong personality individual. And, and I've seen him on other occasions stand up to some of his athletes. Yeah. Crazy, man. I mean, yeah. I was in the Hawkeye room when I was training to try to, make, to try to make the 84 Olympic team, and I saw that man do some things that I've never seen any coaches do before, which is why he's where he is. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Oh, yeah. 
That is so much, so many good things you said there. Being a ferocious learner, and that, and that goes along with humility. I could learn from people. And, and Don yes. would always say this to me, he'd say, none of this. He'd flick his nose and he'd say, none of this. And he said, yeah. and that's one of the things he really liked about the 70s time period. I guess he felt, he looked at that as more of like a golden age of wrestling. And he tells, and he, he always spoke about that. And now we see with social media, which it's great, it brings a lot of benefits, but also each kid, even when you, when you achieve some success at a young age, it goes to your head and you become a mini celebrity as a freshman, sophomore in high school. And it's like you haven't, you might have achieved a certain level of success, but where's the virtue, right? And, and so what happens is we start focusing on the wrong things. And that goes back to the word you brought up, authority, which almost nobody talks about now because right off the bat, you say authority, people look at like an abuse of authority, right? Mm -hmm. People in authority could abuse authority. It's happened before, it'll happen again. But you, one thing you see with these high level performers, high level athletes, they trust the coaches. They trust that yes. authority. And Don exactly. said that to me. He said, listen, when I coach you, he said, I'm here and you're here. Like, he checked me immediately. He's like, I'm here and you're here. He's like, after we get off the mat, he's like, then we can be friends. I mean, he's still my elder, so it's not like that. Mm -hmm. But, but mm -hmm. there, it's okay to have that position and to be told. And then you trust that authority. That goes a long way. You know, I heard Gable once in, in the corner of one of my matches. And... It's difficult when you have at least, you know, there's two people cornering you and both people are talking, trying to, and you only, you only get that little window of 20 seconds to say stuff. Yeah. Dan said, look, I'm the coach here. And he just checked that other coach, man. I was like, I was watching that. Gable yeah. was not afraid to, to, uh, and he, he was not wrong. Right. Um, you know, he was not afraid to, to show his authority and he had the authority. Yeah. And, 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 uh, it wasn't that the other coach didn't have anything valuable to say, but obviously if both people are talking, then nothing's getting through. So uh, you're right. We, we, we've lost some of that, and we've lost the ability of our athletes to absorb it and take it in the right way because um, it doesn't happen in the home. Like I grew up in a home where, you know, man, if I, I couldn't talk back to my parents, my mom or dad. Yeah. Just couldn't do it. Yeah. You know? uh, I'd be afraid son, to talk back to my mom even now. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> and, my, and, and my son has talked back to me. I mean, times are different, you know, but uh, I've had to work within the new rules. My son very quickly told me that uh, if you touch me, I'll call child protection. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> are you serious? Like, 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 where did you learn that from? <laughs> no, but, but also, like you said, it's like he says he's going to do something. It's like, no, you're really not going to do that. And that's important. Yeah. That's, and, and I think ultimately the kids want that because it shows that there's a care, there's, there's protection there. You feel safe with that. Like everyone says on the surface, I wanna be able to do whatever I want. That's not exactly yeah. what people want. If you talk to kids and you really learn more about them, and I was a school psychologist for a little while, so I spoke to kids, that's not exactly what they want. They don't want the loosey-goosey, I could come home whenever I want. They want a parent that cares, and that at the right time, when they cross a boundary, reasonably, it's like, hey, no. <laughs> yeah, and and the big thing, this is the big thing, they're watching. They're watching you. They're watching you. So what you're saying, they're watching, and you have to back up what you're saying because otherwise you have no credibility at all. Right. And I always knew that. I knew my kids were watching, and, uh, uh, you know, I tried, I tried to make sure that I was uh, walking the talk, so to speak, you know, 
So my kids would always have that. And, and one of the big things kids pick up on nowadays is your words. Yeah. You know, if you are loose with your words, like saying something, and they perceive it as like a kind of a promise. And my son said, well, you said you were, I'm like, oh my God, what are you talking about? You're pointing your finger at me saying, you said, <laughs> like, are you, what? <laughs> will you, will you lie to me? I'm like, I didn't lie to you. What are you? So I, I really had to go back and think about what I actually said to him. So I got really more um, clear with my conversations with him because he was definitely listening yeah. to things I was saying to him. So I learned a lot that day that he, that he checked me on some things. And so, uh, but I felt comfortable that he, that he felt he could communicate with me in that way. So it wouldn't be, I mean, I, I couldn't have said that to my dad. <laughs> just wouldn't have, that, that wouldn't have worked real well. <laughs> and my mom always told me, I brought you into this world, I could take you out. You don't mess around with a woman like that. No, I thought only black people's mom said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, my mom said that, to, that works for Italians also. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, so, so, so they must have been somehow in the same, I don't know, the same, same. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, the same area. It's definitely, yeah. oh man, it's crazy. Yeah, you don't mess with a woman like that. And the other thing is, at an Italian household, you don't have to look for advice. Advice finds you. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's how that's it goes. true. Finds you quick. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's good. But like you said, just having that, um, the willingness to learn. And then we learn, we're humble, we learn, and we apply it to whatever it is that we're doing. It's, it's just tremendous. It's, it's one of the key success principles. Mm-hmm. And but and and it never stops. Right. It never stops. It just continues on through the rest of your life. That's it right. does. Well, this is good. This is good. This is therapeutic for me too. It's like parenting mindset you're giving me right now. So that's <laughs> uh, awesome stuff, Lee. Thank you. Thank you a million times over. Great stuff. Uh, okay, so let's get go back to where where we could get more information from you. So wrestled away the documentary. Everyone should watch it. It's it's available on. Most of the video on demand platforms except Netflix. So if you Google Wrestled Away, the Lee Kemp story, you'll have numerous places to get it. You can go to my website at leekemp.com. I've got um, you know, uh, a link, links devoted to where you can get it and just articles and things you can learn more about it. And, um, and my, my book is there as well. I've got some uh, Technique DVDs. I finally put together some Technique DVDs there too. And there's some other stuff there as well in my book. Everyone should be getting the book. Uh, we got our copy, took the picture, <laughs> Thank up, posted, you. posted it up. Great stuff. And again, Thank you, by the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very important to learn from the best. And, and it's not just, the, just that you're looking at the best wrestler, but you're looking at high quality people across the board. People who are given this message. It's, it's wrestling, it's school, it's your relationships, it's parenting, it's your whole life. You're first class guy. Thanks a lot, Lee. I appreciate it. Everyone go to LeeKemp.com, buy the book. <laughs> Winning gold, wrestled away. Make sure you see it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate being on. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.